Gateway International Christian Center Toronto, where we are raising champions and taking territories. We are sure this teaching will be a huge blessing to your life. For more information, visit www.kicccanada.ca. Now, get ready to be transformed by the Word. Hallelujah. And if you only get bigger, was this year big? Quite big. Next year is going to be a lot bigger. The mighty name of Jesus. And we should tie Minister Salome down too. I think we should book your dates today. <laughs> Praise God. There's so much joy in the atmosphere. You know, when the Spirit of God is here, sometimes it comes as a weight, as heaviness. Not gloom heaviness, but you are calm, you are withdrawn, you are contemplative. All right, but sometimes it comes as joy. You are just excited, you are jumping, you just want to shout, all right? So the Spirit of God is with us this morning, and I want to encourage us to pay attention to what God has for us this morning. Praise God. The Lord gave me a message for us this morning, and I've titled it Negotiating Destiny Transactions. Can you say that with me? Negotiating Destiny Transactions. When I had the topic, I was like, is this, is this a movie? Is it? Why is the topic sounding like this? Right, but don't get distracted by the topic. Get interested in the details of what God has for you this morning. Before I go into my message, when I was sitting there, the Lord laid something on my heart to share. And this is it. The Lord says that the extent to which He will tolerate unbelief will be dependent on the level of your work with Him. I'm going to say that again. The Lord said, the extent to which he will tolerate your unbelief will be to the extent of the quality of your work with him. What does that mean? I was meditating, thinking about it there. And then the Lord said that when an angel appeared unto Zechariah and said unto him, that your wife, Elizabeth, though she be old, she will conceive and have a son. Zechariah said, how shall these things be? Now, what Zechariah released in that moment was unbelief. And the angel said, in fact, maybe we have time to dissect it. He said, I am Gabriel. Now, what's the relationship between how shall these things be and I am Gabriel? He said, what is your name? How shall these things be? What the angel was saying is, to a whole high priest who stands before the presence of God regularly, I am summoning the integrity in my name as a messenger of God, that the power of the Almighty will bring this to pass. However, because of your caliber in the spirit, we will not allow you to cancel it. So, we'll shut up your mouth. And the angel appeared to Mary, a teenage virgin, and said, how shall these things be? Same question, same unbelief. The angel smiled. said, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Why didn't the angel shut her mouth? Because of the level of our work with God. So, as you grow higher, there's a level of unbelief you're not permitted to have anymore. Did you hear that? If not, you'll just come to church one day, you'll not be able to talk. <laughs> Praise God. I hope the person that was for got it. Praise God. Negotiating destiny transactions. Now, one of the oldest strategies of war is that the moment you realize you have lost, the next best thing is to negotiate anything that will fall in your favor. Hello? I'm going to say that again. The oldest trick in war strategy is that the moment you discover that we are losing this, it's everywhere, even in elections, the moment you are seeing the numbers and you see the trend, 
You see, they start having contingency negotiation. Why don't you tell them that if you don't give us ambassadorship to this nation, then we'll contest the this, we'll contest that. Everybody on the line of loss always negotiates to ensure that their loss is a bit mitigated. Is what I'm saying making sense so far? Such that the devil knows. How many of you have thought about it? The devil knows that he is a permanently eternally defeated foe. He knows. However, he keeps on fighting, keeps on raging against believers. Why is he doing that? He knows he has lost, but he's negotiating to ensure that that loss, he carries as many people as possible with him, but we will not be his casualties in the name of Jesus. Before we go into our text for this morning, the Lord reminded me of two instances in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua had sent spies into the land to go and check it out. Now, the Bible is a book of many things, including strategy. And I want to encourage you, as you open your heart and you tell the Spirit of God to open your eyes, you know, how do I know? The Bible says when Moses was about to send people, he sent 12 people to go and check out the land. 12 was too many. Moses was being diplomatic. One per tribe. If you are taking two or three, they will say, how did you arrive at two, right? So he chose 12. He sent the 12 into the land. Ten of them came back with terrible reports. The Bible said that they sowed discord in the hearts of the people. Saying, that land, yes, milk and honey slave, but giants were like grasshoppers before them. And because of that, Israel went into rebellion. The Lord dealt with them. Only two people, Joshua and Caleb, had a good report. Are you still with me this morning? We've not even gone yet into the message. But now that the mantle had been transferred to Joshua, Joshua was probably thinking, say, Lord, how did Moses get it wrong? Say he sent 12 people. Say you sent two. Are we still together? So Joshua sent two spies. They entered into the land and they arrived on a person's house that was on the wall of the city. Strategic positioning. Harlots. Prostitutes. Rehab. Alright? Now, what did Rehab say? Rehab said that we know. Hello? She said, we know the fear of you is all over the land. The same land that we are like grasshoppers. She said, we have heard of how your God parted the Red Sea. We've heard of how your God dealt with all king of Bashan and all these big giant kings and terrible looking things. We've heard of how your God dealt with them. But the lady was smart. She negotiated. He said, when you take this land, please preserve me and my family. They said, sure. As long as you put a red scarlet down your window, then you and every other person in the house, that's deep. You and every other person, but that's the way we are going. Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, that's not where we are going still. Joshua chapter 9 talks about another group of people that heard that the Israelites were possessing the land. You know what they did? They went to take bread. Eat it under their bed for days. Took their clothes. Put it outside in the rain. She looked like, you remember those my shirts that were outside? <laughs> oh my, praise God. We, you, don't worry, we've known the last of it. All right? So, they, they had rags, all sorts, spoils, food, molds, everywhere. And they went looking tattered. I went to Joshua. I said, we are from a distant country. 
signed a pact with us. It was powerful negotiation at work. The Bible says that Joshua, the mighty man of God, was deceived by their tactic. Such that by the time they realized, these guys are just neighbors, it was too late. A bond and a pact had been signed. Joshua 9.27, it says that the Gibeonites continued to live among the Israelites till this day. It was a mix permanently. Praise God. Praise God. Help me tap your neighbor. Say what we are talking about today is important. So we are going back to the book of Exodus. And we are going to be talking about one of the most powerful negotiations in the history of the Bible. And how it applies to us today. Told us last week. The Old Testament essentially is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the old unveiled. The old revealed. So as we go through these stories, don't think about Israelites. Don't think about Red Sea. Don't think about Pharaoh. Think about you. All right? Think about your family. Think about your career. Think about your ministry. And think about how the devil, already knowing that he has lost, will try to negotiate to hold on to a tiny little bit of as much as he can get. Praise God. Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. Exodus chapter 8, and verse 25. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 25. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go. Somebody said go. Now what was the, what was the request? He says, go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go that they may worship me. Alright? So the instruction was let them go. And then Pharaoh comes here and says, Aaron, Moses, for the very first time in their conversations. Aaron, Moses, you guys can go, right? But it's a trick. You think you think it ends there. You think it meant go. It said, verse 25, go sacrifice to your God here in the land of Egypt. Is that your Bible? Or here in the land, all right? So the first thing the devil tries to do is that it tells you, you can go, but you can worship your God still in your sins. Are we still together? It tells you nothing, absolutely nothing has to change. Everywhere you have lived, you can continue to live like that. Look for a church where they don't talk about sin. Look for a nice place nobody mentions Egypt. Just chill, blend in, and worship your God. When they raise their hands, raise, the, raise your hands. When they say stand up, stand up. When they say sit, sit. When they say come out, come out. Whatever it is, the motions you need to do, do it, but worship the Lord here. Do not leave. And if you think about it, that is where many people in the body of Christ are today. You look at their lives as unbelievers, you look at their lives as Christians, the only thing that has changed is that they don't stay at home on Sunday morning. Only. Every other thing remains the same. Tell your neighbor, I won't worship him in Egypt. I am leaving Egypt permanently. I am surrendering and I am leaving. Some are saying that, but it's difficult to actually let go of some things. Difficult. And you know the funny thing? When you are holding on to some of those things and you begin to experience the power of God flowing through you, it is even more dangerous because you will interpret it as heaven agreeing with your misdemeanor. However, God is being merciful because of those who are connected to you. I don't know if you are following me this morning. If there's somebody in the room that needs healing, 
and God has anointed me with a grace for healing, there is absolutely nothing I could have done this morning that would prevent that person from receiving their healing. However, whatever it is between me and God still needs to be settled. Are we together? Saul was before the Israelites. He had misbehaved. Samuel said, what is this that I hear? Well, he said, no, we, we destroyed everything. He said, what am I? He said, no, we kept some of the best ram and the fat on the cow for sacrifice to our God. Samuel said, oh, no. Is my water off? Oh, no. <laughs> Samuel was like, what have you done? Isn't to obey God better than sacrifice? Isn't to work into him better than the fat of rams? Saul should have said, oh God, I am sorry. You know what he said? He said, Samuel, come with me. Let's go with me before the people. Honor me before the people. Let's just go for service. Instead of him to address his, the, the, the issues in his cupboard, he said, let's still go for service. God, just show up. Leave that thing that you have asked me to deal with. Just show up at the service. Let the service still go well. Let the people still be blessed. I don't care. Just show up. Praise God. Tap your neighbor and say, leave Egypt. Look for someone else. Say, leave Egypt. Praise God. Psalm 137 verse 4. Psalm 137 is a very beautiful psalm. Let's read it very quickly. There's a song. You can't read it without singing it. You're not smiling yet because you're not there. By the time you get there, you will see it, then you will sing it. I'm waiting for you. I'm a prophet. Yeah, I'm seeing the smiles. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars, we hung our apps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? How can we worship the Lord while in Egypt? How can I claim to be a believer when I'm still soaked and drenched in my sin? The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is sufficient enough to deliver anyone from their sins. But you have to let go of it. Are we still together? I trained as a medical doctor. I know all of the neurotransmitters involved in addiction. I know everything. I know the processes for counseling, group therapy, cognitive-based, all of those things. But there is something more powerful than that, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he has broken the chains of brass, cuts the bars of iron in sunder. That's the power of God to break every hold of addiction. But you have to let go. Praise God. Are you still with me this morning? Are we still together this morning? Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. So the first negotiation was go worship your God, but do it right here in Egypt. Stay in your sins. Continue with your association. Remain with everything you have done. There is absolutely no change in your life, but just add that de designation of Christian. It's fine. It's fine by me. It's always fine by Ferry. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28. Exodus 8, 28. It says, so Pharaoh said, I will let you go. All right, we hear that again. I will let you go that you may sacrifice 
to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far. Is that in your Bible? So the first tactic is stay here in your sins. The second tactic is go but don't go very far. It's, it's, it, it's, it's one of the biggest tricks the devil is using. He's saying that the more involved you get in God, the more involved you get with the things of God, the more you begin to see the... the can I say this very quickly? You know, there's a level you respect and honor people for that your brain assumes that they don't do some things. Does it make sense? And it is illogical because they're human. Are we still together? Such that you enjoy access to some people and you discover this person did not do money devotion. Maybe they say he's come and sleep in the house. So you are sleeping in the house of General Vakia. And Gio makes up, enters kitchen, ah, makes coffee, takes bread. Gio, <laughs> you don't used to pray. <laughs> Praise God. Because when, when you respect people from a distance, you make assumptions that consolidate their perfection in your mind. So everything they do is right. Everything they say is right. And the more they begin to give you access, maybe somebody is mentoring you and training you, and you begin to see their frailties, they pick a phone call, somebody with spirit-filled, tongue-speaking, demon-lashing, everything, begins to say on the phone, you are very stupid, you must never say that in your life to me again, uses the F word, and you just want to faint. You're like, blood of God. Pastor, ah, you know some people it's already enough for them to ah. I say no, all those pastors, as they begin to ask the Lord, says no, all those pastors, all of them, they are the same thing. Praise God, praise God. Are we still together this morning? So the devil paints all those things and says, don't go very far. Don't be very devoted in your service. Sundays are enough for you. Bible studies for serious people. You do KG work. You pray on Wednesday. You do Bible study on Thursday. Prayer practice on Saturday. Evangelism. You come to service after you follow people. You're the one that that agree with Judas to betray Jesus. Like really, what what is your offense? The devil will tell you don't go too far. Look at those who have gone too far. What have they had to show for it? Look at Sister This. Morning to night, church. Morning to night, church. Our mates were going to school. Morning to night, church. Now they have their master's degrees. They have their PhDs. All she has is a P PBD. Prayer Bible Doctorate. That's no employer we used to give you. <laughs> oh, glory to God. The devil is the master of giving bad examples. He will not show you those who decided to go far and experience more of God. He will never remind you of people like that. He will not show you those who said, I am consecrating my work with God to a deeper level. I am going to ensure that I have my quiet time X number of hours daily. He will show you people like that. He will look for all the bad, ignorant, funny examples and tell you why you should not go. Help me tap your neighbor and say, go far. Look for someone else. Say, go deeper. There is more for you in God. There's more. There is, see, there is absolutely nothing you can tell me. There is more. I know there is more. Paul, the great apostle, said, that I may know him. No, what else are you knowing? 
Sir, what else? You've seen Jesus face to face. You've had deep revelations. You've written powerful epistles. You've changed the whole surface of the earth. You feel, the Bible says at a particular point, people took aprons and handkerchiefs. I was healing people. The Bible says about Peter that at a level, his shadow, just his shadow, and people were getting ill. And this same person is saying that I may know him. Sir, what more do you want to know? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. You can't tell me there is no more. You can't tell me this is all there is. There are deeper levels in him and I want to know more. I don't know about you. I want to know more. I want to go deeper. I want to go far into deep places in the spirit. If that is your genuine desire, may it be done unto you in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't go very far is a clarion call for carnal worship. That ensures that there is constantly swinging between the old man and the new man. You are struggling between your new nature and your new identity in Christ and you remember who you used to be. You have people remind you what your level used to be, how you used to communicate with them. How many of us have friends like that? I can remember there was a pastor who came from one of the leaders, leaders training we had. I think that was 2016. A lot of us will know him. Jesus House London. Pastor Agu. Agu Ruto. Some of us will know him. He said growing up, he was your typical bad boy runs man. Growing up. Typical bad boy runs man. Like one of the worst people. Praise God. One, like, he, when he described himself, I looked at him, I was like, thank God for Jesus. He said all the terrible things he had done in his past until he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, everything changed. He pastored one of the largest churches in the UK. And he said he was on a particular flight, flying back from, I don't know whether Lagos or Abuja, back to London. And then he ran into a colleague from back in school. And the lady saw him. Like, Agu, you know, you really, ah, they love themselves. Oh, how are you doing? What do you do now? <laughs> I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, Pawot? He said, You, pastor. You, pastor. Hey, there is hope for the devil. Have you met people like that before? When you hear that they are born again, you say, You know what, devil, maybe it's not all gone with you. He said, There's hope. He was like, Are you joking? He said, I'm absolutely sorry. In fact, how long are you in London? He said, I'm bringing my daughter back to school. He said, visit us, visit us in church. Gave her the address. So she came to church, entered the place, saw the church filled with young people. So after service, everybody wanted to see pastor. You know, there's their relationships that break protocol. He just saw her from a distance. Ah, Omga, coming, 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 coming. Came into his office and she looked him into the eye. She said, all these young, beautiful girls in your church. How are you coping? She couldn't believe that was the only question. After a powerful service, that was the only question she could ask because she was stuck to the image of his past. The more you surround yourself with people who their image of you is your past, what they do is they work like a computer. Gradually, they start issuing system restore until they reconfirm you to who you were and then you fit back into their mix. They will now tell you, we told you, all that spiritual gymnastics you were doing, raising hands, you used to be raising hands. They posted a picture on Instagram, kneeling down, you, kneeling down. 
Is it your time? I need to know <laughs> Glory to God. I said glory to God. Every link and umbilical cord that is still connecting us with our past, we break free from it in the name of Jesus. You didn't hear me? I said we break free from it in the name of Jesus. I want you to shout with all of your being, I am free to serve. I am free to believe. I am free to live life to the fullest. In the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So the first negotiation was stay here in the land. Right? The second one was don't go very far. The third one, let's go to Exodus chapter 10. You can see that this guy wasn't really going to let them go just like that. Exodus chapter 10, I'm going to read from verse 8 to 11. From verse 8 to 11. Ooh. He says, so Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh and he said to them, go serve the Lord your God, but just who are to go? That was his question. So essentially, he's saying, I have absolutely no problem with you going to go and serve your God, but which one of you is going? Now, let's look at Moses' reply, verse 9. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks, with our herds, all of us and all we have, for we must owe the feast to the Lord. Wow, this is the kind of verse you should have a sticky note of it on your fridge. Hello, are we going to do that? Exodus chapter 10, verse 9, amplified version. Write it out, print it out, stick it on your fridge. It says, we will go with our young we will go with our old, we will go with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks, with our herds, all of us and all we have, for we must all the feast unto our God. Verse 10, Pharaoh said to them, let the Lord be with you. Mm. Pastor Pharaoh, if I ever let you go with your little ones, see, you have some evil purpose in mind. 11, not so. You that are men without your families, Go and serve the Lord, for this is what you want. Can you imagine? And Moses and Aaron were driven from Pharaoh's presence. Can you see that? Now, when the devil sees that he can't make you stay in your sin, when he sees that your level of consecration is going deeper, let me tell you one of the dangers of consecration. Individualism. You begin to believe it might just be me alone that the Lord wants to go deeper. Maybe not my wife. So when you have an agreement, babe, we wake up at 6 a.m. to pray together. So we just roll. Honey, me, I'm tired. Just let's sleep this bit. I love you. I love you too. So you are building a culture of prayer. Your wife is building a culture of sleep. And then you say, okay, it's time to go to church. All these teenagers, eh? All these children, eh? All these teenagers. Like, mommy, why, why are we going to church? Church is boring. I don't like pastor's messages. I don't like his shoes. I don't like his shirt. I don't, I don't like church. I just go for you. Keep quiet. Typical African prayer. Keep, keep short. Is it not Jesus that, that gave birth to you? Eh? I did some... <laughs> So when it's time to go to church, 
We are leaving this house at 8 o'clock. 8.15. Bro is still rolling in bed. He slept at 4 a.m. Doing Netflix and and chill. At 4 a.m. Enjoying movies and watch everything. Praise God. Do you know sometimes you talk about this consecration thing and a lot of things that seem grand in the spirit, you take them for granted in the physical. Hello? I heard someone say, I thought it was one person until I was on social media. I've seen multiple people say it. They said the new season of Game of Thrones is coming out. Season 5. Is it 5 or 6? I'm not sure. One of them. And I heard multiple multiple people say that so that I can enjoy the new season well, I want to watch season 1 to 4 on one spot. And nobody is like, Hey, how will you do that? You're like, oh, great. Like, oh, I have season one. Let me send to you. Let me give you the link. Normal, right? Hello, normal. If you tell somebody now, I want to read my Bible cover to cover in one sitting. What reaction would they give you? What's wrong with that? Is Jesus coming tomorrow? Do you know something we don't know? Right? But if it's to watch back, you know you can sit down, 24 or prison break. You watch the thing back to back. You go there, the only break you have is washroom break, kitchen break. Keep on watching. Then your leg is feeling a cramp. You just go, you know, you stretch a bit. Uh, like, Pastor, how do you know these things? <laughs> Praise God. Especially when you start raising your families, you will tell yourself, I will not be the most spiritual person in this family. I've made that decision. I won't. My wife, my children, all of us and all we have, we will serve the Lord together. He says, go, let the men go, leave your families, leave your wives, leave your children. There are many families, sometimes it's even the reverse. You see a devoted wife and an unserious husband. So we will keep praying for him, we will keep praying for him, we will keep praying for him. It is your... Let's just leave that space. Let's leave it. Praise God. Praise God. So this one especially is for families. All of us will serve the Lord. We will have a plan together that will ensure that we are growing together. We will do our family. In this house, we do family devotions. If it's not in the morning, we'll do it in the night. If it's not in the night, we'll do it on Saturday. But that we will not do it at all, you are joking. That you will not join us, you are joking. Praise God. Thank God for godly heritage. I remember growing up then. Our parents would tell us there is vigil on Friday. Vigil. You now go and sleep. You, they will say we are leaving at 8 o'clock. You go and sleep at like 7, believing that they will leave you to sleep. Not in my house. Hey, you know, work it. When it's 7.30, pa, 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 get up. If you are still there, you say, oh, yeah, water. You just wake up like this. The truth is you've not really slept deeply. You just wanted them to leave the house. Everybody is going. Sometimes you tell, there's no light to iron the clothes. Like my mom will say, it is vigil. Nobody is seeing you. I'm like, no, the lights will be off in church. Get into the car. It will go. Praise God. We need to take it that seriously. Our children must know and learn about God. Even in this land. You can raise God-fearing children in Saudi Arabia. Hello? You can anywhere in the world. Joshua said, I and the children that the Lord have given me, we are for signs and wonders. As the head of the house, he had the audacity to say that. Because he didn't follow it up. Some other times, my mom will say, we are praying. 
Tomorrow night. What is that? Why are you saying tomorrow night? You will just be there. You will take his five minutes prayer. <laughs> you will just be there. You will just be there. Ah, this prayer does not exist. You know, the, you know that the way you pray <laughs> that you want the person to pass in Jesus' name. So the prayer will, you know, ah, they now be reducing the volume small, small. So that you say, she will not say in Jesus' name. When you did it, you raise it again. You just, I will just be like, oh my God. Some of those prayers were not prayers. They were training. Because sometimes we were not even doing that. We were just waiting. Just like this. When will this finish? When will this be over? But now I have my own family. Thank God for that training. Praise God. She's around now. She said, tomorrow, two days of fasting and prayer. I'm like, she didn't ask me, when's your own? <laughs> when is your own of fasting and prayer? Praise God. Praise God. All I have, all of us, we will serve the Lord. Let that be your declaration. It starts with that desire. My husband will love God passionately. My wife will love God passionately. My children, they will be filled. Have you read this Bible before about the daughters of Philip the Evangelist? Say they had daughters and all of them prophesied. What a family. All of them filled with the Holy Ghost. No exception. Glory to God. I said glory to God. The very last tactic that Pharaoh used, Exodus 10, 24, very last negotiation. Each of these times he was negotiating, God was dealing with him, dealing with him, and he kept on negotiating. The very last one is found in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 24. Exodus, are you being blessed so far? Exodus 10, 24. It says, and Pharaoh called to Moses and said, go, serve the Lord. Let your little ones go, let your children, you, your wives, all you adults go. All right. It is only your flocks and your herds that must not go. Is that in your Bible? Now, when you read that statement, it looks very harmless, right? It, it looks like the most harmless of all the negotiations, right? Doesn't it? I mean, if you compare Luke's cattle and flock to stay in Egypt, if you compare Luke's cattle and flock to don't go too far, it looks very mild, right? Now, if you remember, let's rewind. When Joseph was in Egypt and his brothers came, can you remember what Joseph said to Pharaoh and said to his brothers? He said, when I take you to Pharaoh and Pharaoh asks you, what is your profession? Say unto Pharaoh that your servants are what? Cat shepherds and cattle rarers. And that Pharaoh should give you the portion of the land, which is what? Goshen. And we know that Pharaoh approved that. Now, why did Pharaoh approve it? Because cattle rearing and farming was considered a taboo. To the Egyptians. Hello? And the only person who had cattle in Egypt was who? Yes. Pharaoh himself. Because Joseph told them that Pharaoh will ask you which one of you is the best so that you will take care of Pharaoh's own what? Pharaoh's own cattle. Are we still together? So the culture of Egypt was not together with cattle rearing and farming. Pharaoh is saying here, 
to people who their life is shepherding and capturing. Since all of you go, leave your cattle on your flock. Question is why? The enemy's big negotiation, negotiation weapon, especially in today's church, is go serve the Lord your God, but without your resources. Go serve the Lord your God. Go to church. Have fun. Do whatever you want to do. All those pastors are thieves. They are using your offerings and your tithes to buy private jets. So go to church. Don't give any offering. If you must give any offering, give one dollar. All right? Let them know that it is not you that will fund their narcissistic lifestyle. I've been in some places where the caliber of people I heard say these things. I was weak in my faith. Oh, those tithes. I don't, you hear a born again Christian so confidently. I don't pay tithes. All those things are ploys to deal from members. Born again Christian. Pharaoh has won. That's what he says. In that case, Pharaoh has successfully allowed them to leave their flock and their cattle. Are you still with me today? Hello, are we still together? Every move of God's is always backed with divine supply. Did you hear that? I'm going to repeat that again. Every move of God is backed with divine supply. There is nothing you will do that is of substance in the kingdom of God that does not require kingdom resources. May I suggest to you that your financial situation now is more of a spiritual tussle than just an economic event. I can prove it to you. There was no way they were going to worship and serve their God in the wilderness without resources. In fact, they needed more than their cattle and their sheep. They needed silver, they needed gold because they were going to build a tabernacle unto their God. Where did it come from? came from the Egyptians. It is a lie from the pit of hell that you can successfully serve and worship God without your resources. It is. And we must not fall to that pit. Praise God. We must not fall to that pit. There you see, there is absolutely no major move in scripture that you will not see the role of resources. You will not. Can I tell you something strange this morning? Your salvation, your salvation required everything, every play of political and financial resources. Hello? Hello? Should I say it to you? The Bible says Jesus hung on the cross. I mean, he had done his part, right? He had done his part. His part was to die. God's power was to raise him, right? Yes. So Jesus had already done the needful. It is finished. And it was indeed finished, right? But the Bible tells us about a particular man. And I would like to encourage you to study a bit more about that man. Because we are in the stage of the end times that we need enormous resources to power kingdom activities. Did you hear that? The name of that man is Joseph of Arimathea. Let me not deceive you. Your prosperity is a threat to the devil. The more we talk and preach about it, it does not mean we are being materialistic. Now, there is a way to teach it in a materialistic way. All right? But if you are teaching sound from the scriptures, you cannot convince me that God doesn't want you blessed financially and materially. You can't convince me. 
Joseph of Arimathea, who was a Jew who secretly followed Jesus. The Bible says he was a rich man. Rich man. The Bible doesn't, he was a rich disciple from Arimathea. You know what he did? He went to the ruling Roman Empire of the time. Now, can you imagine in the most politically tense period, a man has enough audacity and access to enter into the house of power and make a request. Can you imagine it? What kind of man is that? He was a rich, influential man that had done business before. He said, give me the body of Jesus. No question was asked. They said, take it. Can you imagine? What kind of... Now, see, you need to put your Bible in context. Imagine going to the, the 40 days of political turmoil in the United States. People going back and forth. This guy is a criminal. He's not a criminal. He's a criminal. He's not a criminal. He did this. He did not do this. And finally, mass execution trending all over social media. Then one person walks into the White House. Security didn't stop him. He didn't book an appointment. Heads to the office of the president. I want the body of this controversial figure. No question asked. He must have been very rich. He must have been highly politically connected. The Bible says they gave him the body. He owned the tomb that they put the body of Jesus. He had real estate. Are we still together? That's the, our generation, though. This is the generation of them that sit deep and stick their face, oh Jacob, with all of our resources and millions to drive kingdom tax. Some people, very few people received it. Praise God. Praise God. Money played a big role in your salvation. A big role. In fact, the reason why the Jews still don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah is because of money. Because the guards saw what happened. The big stone that was Mary's headache, that there's no way I'm going to go and see my Savior, but who will roll away the stone? The Bible says she got there, the stone was rolled away. And the angels sat on the stone, chilling. I'm sure they didn't want to roll it. They just, and then the thing just moved, boom. Chilling on the stone right there, the guards saw everything. And the guards ran onto Pilate. They said, hey! This guy was really the Messiah. We saw the power of God at work big time. And they said, we followed Jesus. We didn't see anything. What do you mean you didn't see anything? I said you didn't. Have you seen powerful people talk before with their money? You, you say, I am a man. I said you are not a man. He says, yes, sir. I am no more a man. <laughs> that, that is power talking. That's power. Yes, sir, I'm no longer a man. That's power. He said, you didn't see anything. He said, yes, sir. He said, we will pay you. You will say his disciples came and stole his body. He was not powerful enough to rise up. Ah, he said, if we say so, how about the people who paid us to guard? He said, don't worry about that. We will settle them. How about the investigative tribunal that will be set up to investigate this matter? Don't worry, we will settle them. Settle them with what? Money. The biggest lie of all times was transacted by money. The big moves of our time will be transacted by money. Imagine if your tithe was $1 million. 
we use church. I mean, the church that we will use the French, right? I mean, Pastor Wilson doesn't live and buy jets. You are sure? Are you sure? Some of you are smiling. <laughs> I mean, praise God. I will worship God with all that I have. Is that your confession this morning? Why don't you rise to your feet and wave your hands to heaven and say, Father, I refuse to negotiate with the devil. I refuse to stay in Egypt. I refuse to stay close to the life I should have left. I refuse to go deeper without my family. I refuse to leave my resources behind. I choose to be free entirely, not hold into any offer of the enemy. I worship the Lord with my resources. David said, oh, my soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. I worship the Lord with my body. I worship the Lord with my soul. I worship the Lord with my spirit. I worship the Lord with my substance. I worship the Lord with my career. I worship the Lord with everything. No more negotiating with the enemy. In the mighty name of Jesus. There are some of you here, you know that God is calling you to a deeper level. You know. I'm going to pray with you. This I'm not calling you out. Where you are there, the power of God will hit you. And everything it is that has prevented your next level of consecration, it is getting out of the way this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus, there are some of you here, you know, you know that there is special wealth coming to you. You know it. I'm not talking of $20 per hour. Your salary cannot explain it. Legitimate kingdom inheritance is coming to your hands. And you are saying, God, I will use it for the gospel. I will use it to print tracts. I will use it to build places of worship. I will use it to send people to school. I will use it to sponsor missionaries. We will use it to propagate the gospel of Jesus all around the world. We will use it to put our sermons on TV. We will go on mainstream TV, mainstream radio. In the midst of all of their songs, in the midst of all of their news, we will chip in the gospel because we are that connected. Because we can afford to do it. If it costs us $10,000 to air for five minutes, we will do it. Because that soul will hear the word of God. That destiny will be reclaimed from hell. In the mighty name of Jesus. Some of you are here, you are saying, I wish my family, I wish my husband, I wish my wife could just see this Jesus the way I see him. It looks like I'm the only one interested. I'm going to pray for all of those categories. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lift your hands to heaven and begin to pray in the spirit. The power of the Holy Ghost moves throughout this room. The grace to go deeper. The pool, he said, no one comment unto me unless I draw him there. That pool that consecrates, that allows us to clear our schedules, that allows us to prioritize study of the word of prayer, the lack of appetite for our favorite movies, for our favorite shows, lack of appetite for food, lack of appetite for sleep, lack of appetite for pleasure, 
and increased desire for the things of God. The grace that, that puts the fire of God in a family, upon the altar of a family, for the husband, for the wife, for the children, whatever age, to be on fire for God, is released in this place. In the name of Jesus, kingdom inheritance, in the order of Joseph of Arimathea, strategic influence, influence in politics, influence in economics, influence in media, influence in finance, influence in real estate, influence in society, for the sake of Jesus, is released in this room, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father. Praise and honor be unto your name. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we bless your name for what you have done in our midst this morning. Thank you because your word and your counsel have been decreed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are pulling us out. We are not engaging anymore with any negotiations with the enemy. The Bible says we are to rebuke the devil, not converse with the devil, not discuss with the devil, not reason with the devil, not negotiate with the devil. We should rebuke the devil and it will flee. We stand as sons and daughters of authority. And we decree that all of our lives, we rebuke the devil. In the mighty name of Jesus, all of our consecration, we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. All of our families, we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. All of our finances, we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. We are free to serve. We are free to worship. We worship God with our totality. Our body, souls, and spirit worship God. Our resources and finances worship God. In the name of Jesus, we are never going back to Egypt. We are not going back to the garlic. We are not going back to the food and the cucumber and the pleasures of sin. We break away permanently from it. In the name of Jesus, all hard, hard, difficult, bad habits that we have been delivered from, we are not going back to our vomit. The life of Christ is fully made manifest in us. We exhibit him to the full. This flesh is mortified. This flesh is crucified. This flesh dies daily. And the image of the Son of God is released and shines forth through us to our world. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, make some noise and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, jam your hands together like you mean. Jam your hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't wait for me to stop. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Woo! What a God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Next Sunday is going to be the first Sunday in the month of March. We are starting a new series. Now, I want to beg you. This one, I can kneel down. 
Do not miss any Sunday in March. All right? We are starting a, 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 a deep 